This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Labels podcast. I am your host, Rosanna Gill, and I am so grateful that you, my friend, are here. Whether it's your first time ever listening to the podcast or you're a return listener, thank you, thank you for being here. So if you didn't know, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And also some people call it Mental Illness Awareness Month. Whichever one you call it, it is the driving theme of the podcast for this month. Because if you have not listened to episode five of this podcast, uh, where I talk about my family's journey through or around my mom's story and our story as a family and mental health and my own passion about the topic, I could not let this month go by without honoring it through more episodes of the podcast. So today's conversation is really interesting for a few reasons. I heard D'Angela speak on another podcast and was just, I had, I just knew I had to talk to her. And I was just inspired by her story of leaving corporate America to start her own t-shirt company. But over the course of our conversation, we ended up talking about, and I'm so grateful for her for being vulnerable enough to talk about this, but we actually talk about her experience being Baker acted and what that entailed, what that feels like, what it felt like, and her journey. It was interesting because that's not what either of us went into this conversation expecting it to be about. And it wasn't, that's not all it was about. So please don't think, oh, I don't want to hear about that. I'm not going to listen. I have even more respect for Dee after having this conversation with her than I did when I initially DM'd her and wanted to have her on the podcast. And to be able to talk to someone who was willing to talk about something that she could very easily have a lot of shame and embarrassment and all the feelings about. And she might still have some of those feelings, I don't know, but the point is she was a big enough woman to talk about it and share that with you, my listeners. So I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. And if you go to her website and order t-shirts through D's Sweet Tees, and she is actually going to be the only promo, if you wanna call it, that I'm doing for the entire month of May. D is our girl for the month of May because she is whose story this podcast is meant to tell. So with that, let's get into the episode. Okay, so I'm very, very excited today to have D'Angela on the podcast. She is the, Coach D is the owner and founder of D Sweet Teeth and Heart and a Heat Press. Now, which one came first, the Sweet Tea or the Heart and a Heat Press? Teas came first. The Sweet Tea did? Teas, correct. Okay, so what made you decide to start a Sweet Tea company? Well, it wasn't, it's not sweet tea as in drinks, as in t-shirts. And I actually, these cups that say, if you want a sweet tea, call D's mama. But if you want a sweet tea, call D. It was a cute little play on words. But every now and then, people do pull me to the side and ask me what flavor tea I have. 
Kevin, I have to let them know it's T-E-E-S and not T-A-S. That would have been a great clarifying question for me to ask. But growing up in South Carolina, it did not occur to me that there was any other version of tea than the one that I consume. My mom makes the best sweet tea there is this side of South Florida. Lots of sugar. Well, that's the only way to make sweet tea. It's like a diabetic's worth of of sugar. Right. Yes. Yes. And it's crazy because I'm up here, like down to, I remember one of my favorite restaurants growing up when you would go and order, and I mean, granted, it was not a fancy place. Like the, the food was served on plastic plates and you basically had three choices to drink. You had tea, which was sweet tea, water or soda. And it would come like the tea would come out in a pitcher. Like they were, they weren't going to come running back and forth, filling up your, like you would just get an entire pitcher of sweet tea on your, your table. And when I come up here and you order tea, they don't put any sweetener in it. And my dad, the first couple of times was like, what is this? Like, what, what kind of tea do these people drink? And it's like, oh, no, it's not, it's not the same. This is not the South. I'll give you a secret. Two pack window and you'll, you'll be, yeah. Really? The yellow, yellow oh, yeah. pack. Okay. So these sweet teas and t-shirts, not tea, and uh, hard in a heat press. Okay. So can you talk about how... These sweet teas came to be then? Yes. In 2013, I was working a part-time job and I was always doing graphic design ever since college, even though it was not my major. And so I, my major is business, but I wanted to continue my creative outlet, which is creating. So college, I got into doing graphic design. And at the time, I was hustling beverages next to the neighborhood rib man, okay? He didn't have drinks, and so I was like, drinks, so I would bring my cooler out there. And then when I started to see all of the customers at coming, I was, wow, this would be nice if I could offer them shoes. So I started selling counterfeit uh, Jordans, and I, I, I was hustling those, and then I was like, what would go good with these? So at that time, trap shirts were very popular. Uh, Lucky Charms, uh, so all of the little branded shirts, they were hood shirts, right? And I was like, I can good as designs on these. So I had a Photoshop at the time, and I started tinkering with Photoshop, self-taught, and I started making t-shirts. And I wasn't even the one printing the t-shirts at the time. I was just coming up with the designs, taking the t-shirt designs to the flea market and having them printed. And then I would put them on hangers and put them out there with the t-shirt. So I was at the rib shop on Fridays and Saturdays selling drinks, shoes, and t-shirts. And so people started to see my work and they wanted to know if I could do logos, if I could do flyers, if I could do brochures. And of course I said, sure. I graduated from FAMU, Florida a and when I graduated there, I ended up moving back home with my parents and I was doing some side gigs for people. Uh, when I was working that part-time job for a construction company, I was doing some side gigs for people. So a lot of the churches would reach out and ask me to do their t-shirt design. And the question always came, do you print? And I was like, no. And then I started, I Googled uh, the screen printing process and I was like, okay, I'll never do that because that's just too much work. As God would have it, it wasn't too much. 
because some mentors that I had at the time gifted me with equipment and I was able to get started screen printing. And so that's how D Suite born. Well, okay. So I, I'm going to have to back up all the way up. How, and maybe it to you, it is a perfect, like a, a perfect transition, but how did you go from tea to shoes? Like, was it just like you, you just had a feeling that that would be a hot seller or because that would and this is maybe just my own limitation sometimes in my thought process like I don't think I would have jumped to shoes and also where do you source them how did you like how did you think of all this this is the thing I had to look in my okay I was in business school of course mm-hmm. I find a legitimate hustle even though they were counterfeit I was trying to find a legitimate hustle in order to make some extra cash because I didn't have a job. My parents told me my only job was I got my books. So Mm -hmm. that was, and so, but I wanted to make some extra change. And so everybody, I'm in a college town where everybody gets their, so that was the thing. Don't step on my shoes, you know, do what you do, but watch my shoes type of thing. I get to something in my Air Force Ones, you know, sneaker country, basically. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that was actually called Boys R Us. I, I named it Boys R Us. The shoes? They, the, the company. My best friend ended up coming on and we called it Boys R Us. And we actually made a catalog of this. And her idea to get a 50% deposit to cover the cost of the sneakers, we sourced them from China, Okay. So we went direct to the factories that sell the cameras. And what happens is when you have a company like Nike, the people who are selling the counterfeit shoes are the same people who make the authentic. There is something a little bit off. And Mm so not selling them through Nike. And so I was able to get those at a discounted price. We were taking orders and we had a catalog and we were taking deposits up front and then when they came in it took about two to three weeks we would uh call them and let them know that their order came in that's so smart the t's came on the heels of the jordans jordan first and then i was like hmm let me see if i can create some stuff to match the shoes what was the term you used? trap tea what was the term was that it trap tees what what is a trap tea okay so so a trap tee is during during this time, which was like 2005, rap artists were wearing these t-shirts that looked like, for example, let's just say it would be a Lucky Charm shirt, mm-hmm. but the leprechaun hella gangster, things like that. So it was it was a trap tee because you're talking about the trap houses, you got Young GP, you got Payne, you got all of these different artists that are promoting trap music Mm -hmm. and so I said let me get in on this uh marketing trend right about now and see how I'm able to do with that I made my own shirts I came up with the design concept and then I would take them and have them to print them for me so I was exposed to the heat press and to a lot of the equipment at that time but right then I was just focused on designing and shoes because that's all that was in my wheelhouse at that time. Hindsight, of course, is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. You know, but I knew now I probably would have left college and used the 
the money that I made to invest in my equipment and start these boutiques even sooner. Okay. Every, every experience, you can take the silver lining in it and find something to glean out of it. Mm-hmm. I just love because, so 2005, just a couple hours... Lord, let me learn my directions. East of you, I was, oh wait, no, 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 no. When did I go to college? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 2005, I would have been at Flagler in St. Augustine. Flagler? Yeah, so that's where I would. And I actually, after college, I I lived in Jacksonville for about five years. So I feel like I definitely would have seen Traptees. I just would not have known what that was. So thank you for explaining. Jacksonville, I know you know the sound, the same. Oh, Oh, yes. I could not go out to any club and not hear Duval. Okay. That's yes. <laughs> I kind of miss that now, actually, because it, it was such a part of every night out. There were a lot of Fridays and Saturdays out. But yeah, even and it's funny because it didn't matter where you were in, in Jacksonville, whether you were on the beaches or, or south side or or downtown, like you would hear that. It's just a part of it. Here in Tallahassee. Did you? That's how I know. Because the Jacksonville folks, they're going to let everybody know where they're from, <laughs> from Palm Beach. So I'm always like, oh, well, what about the 561? No one has time for that. Duval. <laughs> and it does have such a ring to it. I mean, you know. <laughs> okay. So after college, you start working at the, con- you said a construction company? Right. I got my bachelor's degree. I was originally in a master's degree program. I had to take some time off from school. I had some nervous breakdowns, two of them to that. Yes, one in 2007 and one in 2009. And I'll be transparent with you and your community. I was Baker at And so with that, I took a hiatus from school. I took a break from school. I took what they call a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. My parents for a little while got my stuff together, went back to Tallahassee and was like, look, I'm not going to do the five-year program anymore. I have enough credits to be done with the four-year program in a semester. So I went ahead and got out of there, graduated April of 2008, came back home, moved in with my parents, which was ideal, right? (laughs) For anybody who can't see her face, sarcasm. (laughs) Able to have that, that that infrastructure to be able to go back home. Went back home and I got in with Full Sail University and I got my master's degree in entertainment business. So here I am with a master's. You know, when I first got to the School of Business and uh, School of Business Industry at Florida A&M University, I remember one of the deans saying that you know when you come out of our master's degree program, you shouldn't be making any less than. a year. Okay, well, this was at the time when the recession hit in 2008. So no one cared. Mm -mm. No one cared about a master. And so when I back home, finding a job was not easy. You know, have a master's degree. So what? Do you have experience? No, Mm -hmm. I don't have people with experience. And I was between a rock and a hard place because I had this book knowledge. I had this degree, but because I didn't have experience, which I can only get experience if you give me an opportunity, which I wasn't getting. Mm-hmm. I, so I, there was there was nothing. And so the construction company gave me a shot. And I want to say that was because of, 
you know how they say it's not always what you know, it's who you know. Sometimes that's true. So I got a shot because of somebody who I knew who knew somebody there and they gave me an opportunity. So I was an administrative assistant there. And then I also worked part-time as secretary to the pastor of my church. Okay. And so I was juggling. And in the meantime, I was doing L Guy Creative Ministries, which was an acronym for Let God Use You. And that was actually my thesis for my master's degree. Okay. So I have so many questions. Okay. L Guy, how was that your thesis for, for your master's degree? What, what was that about? So that was about having a creative marketing firm mm-hmm. that was geared towards helping small businesses and churches. And I was the creative director. So I had to come up with the logo, had to come up with a marketing plan, had to come up with the financing, negotiation, like all of these classes that I took in that 13-month program was all geared towards my brand of El Guy Creative Ministry. Okay. That's pretty cool. And so if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But I am very curious about the breakdowns because coming from a family history of mental health, however way you want to say it, concerns, issues, I don't know. Did you have any resentment towards your family after being Baker acted? I did. I did. But you know what? There is a clarity now that I did not have then. And that's because I've been Baker acted three times this year. Actually, really? as January, February, and March. Okay. And that came from ayahuasca. I did ayahuasca. And now I have this clarity where I realized my family was only doing the best thing they knew how to do. They didn't know what was going on with me. All they knew was that I was out of character and they just wanted to get their baby some help. Mm-hmm. But that's still tough. I- tough, but you know what, Rosanna? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, like like Kanye said. And I'm definitely not dead. Mm-mm. And I can look at the silver lining in any cloud. And for those experiences, I actually went to Atlanta. That's what this backdrop here is from. I went up to Atlanta and I had been misdiagnosed as bipolar and misdiagnosed again as schizophrenic. And come to find out, I'm not bipolar or schizophrenic. It's just called um, some type of mood disorder. I'm still waiting to get the full results back from the doctor. I actually have a call at 1130 with the doctor's office this morning to my results. But to me, that was great news. But at the same time, it made me a little bit angry because I was in a holding cell with meth addicts, you know, some, some real people who had done some real heavy stuff. And here I was, this little frail black lady in there, and I'm, I was being prescribed the same medications as people who had those strong drug problems without even scanning the organ that was giving me problems. So there was no scan of my brain in there because they don't have the tools and the resource to scan your brain in there. You know, this speaks to something that I, I've talked about this with a friend it's, it's sad and disturbing to see how little help there is on just a day-to-day statewide effort, like for anybody dealing with any mental health, any mental, I don't know if you're comfortable calling it illness, So I and I don't want to offend by saying that, but again, coming from a family background, like 
until I went to support groups by from from NAMI, National Association, is it Association or Alliance for Mental Illness? And I went there just for help to to understand kind of what was going on in my family. And it was like, how why are there why is this never talked about? Why are these resources not widely shared with as many people as possible? Because after that, it's like it's almost like a code, right? Like I start hearing things that I never understood before. I would never, if you had said Baker acted before, I never would have known what that meant. I know now, and I know the impact it can have, and I know that the intention behind it, but also how wrong it can go depending on wh what institution you're put in, wh where you go, what other people you're around. Like there's, it's just, there's so much lack of information and lack of understanding. And it's, it's scary to think because, you know, here's your family doing what they, they want to help you. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what that what came down to. But then having no control after that point of who you're around, what you're going to be exposed to, it's scary. It's really scary. And you know what? I look at it also as there is a lack of compassion with, with, within those places. And I mean, the places that I've been, nasty. The staff can be so nasty and talk down to you so wrong. And even Oh, you're in a hospital and you can hear the the NICU ward every time every time a kid is born, you're hearing the bell. So you're like, I'm like, oh, you know, the kids are upstairs, the babies. And then I'm I'm down here in hell with uh, these people, you know? Wow. And so um I think that not talked about so much because of the system. The system wants you they drug mm -hmm. and very important your insurance who you have for insurance is very important that plays a role you yeah. know people on medicaid tend to get out in three days people like myself who have premium insurance i was in there for seven days i was in there five days six days you know and uh subjected to a whole lot of different tests and given a whole lot of different of uh, the cocktails, Alanzapine, Haldol, Seroquel, Effexor, uh, Adderall, Xanax. This is some heavy stuff. Uh, uh, yes, it's very heavy. I mean, but it, it has to be talked about, you know? Yes. I'm here to be open. Well, no, I mean heavy stuff in, in the sense of drugs. I and, and I understand that medicine does serve a, a place and a role. But again, going back to this, this course I took through NAMI, when I, they were breaking down, because it was like a 12-week course, and it was for family members of somebody with a mental illness. And they're breaking down all the meds and all the, the side effects. I was like, I don't blame my family member for not wanting to take it. When you look at those commercials on TV where, you know, the lady's looking all mopey and sad. And then, you know, she's got this little fake smiley face sign that she puts up in front of her face. And they're like, we fix you. We can make you all better. And, mm -hmm. But side effects may, may include uh, hallucinations, suicidal thoughts and tendencies, this, 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 that, and the other. I mean, it's every prescription commercial that's out there. When you really listen to the side effects that they ramble off rather quickly, you know, and then mm -hmm. they're like, but ask your physician if this is right for you, because we can make you all better. Mm -mm. Right. Mm -hmm. 
I don't, I've lost so much faith in the whole system of the big farm. And not that I ever had faith in big pharma, but like learning what I did through that course. And then also just remembering things from when I was a kid. So my, my mentally old family member is my mom. And I shared this on another episode. So that's not a big surprise to anybody who listens. But Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a little girl, when she would, when they would prescribe her something new and she would be a zombie. Yep. So it's like, okay, fine. She's not having episodes, but she's also sleeping for 12 hours. And it got to a point where I was like, I almost wish she wasn't on it because when my mom is my mom, like just her at her, at her best and she's not having any episodes, she is charismatic. She's funny. Mm-hmm. She's lively. Like she's just a passionate person. Like people can't help but be drawn to her. And to see that versus somebody who can't get out of bed because it's like, there's just this, 20 ton weight attached to her Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know that that's really living any better i don't know that's helping the situation at all that is correct that that is correct and you know what have you ever seen the movie divine secrets of the yaya sisterhood yes okay i i just watched that again last night with ashley judd Mm -hmm. phenomenal phenomenal job that Sandra Bullock, you know, um, Ashley Judd, and so good. In, in that movie, you know, she was trying to stop drinking. So the doctors or Big Pharma back then prescribed mm-hmm. this medicine and the medicine made her lose her mind so much so that she beat her kids out in the rain. Mm-hmm. And all that, all that Sita, who was Sandra Bullock, could remember was, you know, mom drank, mom smoked and mom beat us and she didn't she didn't know the full scope of what happened and and what happened with the mom was she was involuntarily committed for six months to a mental uh, asylum yeah I forgot I haven't seen that movie in so long but I use and it's funny because when I did see it I loved it but it didn't register like what was happening with my mom to what was happening to Ashley Judd but Mm -hmm. late years later I was like Oh, but I didn't, I didn't realize she was committed for that long. Six months. Yep. Six months. Those, I mean, I don't know that the facilities are phenomenal now, but back then, I mean, this is the time of, um, that movie, one flew over the cuckoo's nest where they they do the frontal lobe (laughs) removal for crying out loud. Like, Oh yes. Oh yes. I can't even imagine. So, so, I, I would say go back. I would say go back and watch it with a new set of eyes now, and you 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 would deeply appreciate the movie because it shows you mental illness through the lens of everybody. It wasn't just the mm-hmm. mom and the daughter. Remember, the husband was there too. You mm-hmm. know, the fiance was there. The friends, the yayas, they had their perspective on how it went, and so you know, this is a conversation that has been going on, mm-hmm. but. The last time I watched Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood before last night was back in high school. And I knew I loved it. Yep. But I didn't know why I loved it. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like I've lived it. Well, and you have. I mean, mm-hmm. now, have you noticed like, OK, so January, February, March, I know you said that it had to do with the. Um, oh, Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. And I've, it's funny you mentioned that because I've heard about that recently on more and more podcasts. And I'm like, I feel like this could go a few ways. Like, mm-hmm. It, it it kind of scared me just from because I've heard some people say like, oh, it's amazing. And then others like the long term effect was right. Not what they anticipated. Um, 
so was that the impetus for January, February, March, or was it also like stress in life in general? Cause you are a business owner. I can't imagine the amount of stress that you have just by virtue of that on right. top of the ayahuasca. Right. So ayahuasca, I'm, I'm not here to bash it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, and, I, and I don't regret my experience. Um, it really opened up my pineal gland, which is the third eye. Yes. Y- yes. And so now I'm privy to what's going on in the system. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can see the intentions behind things, whether they're good or bad. Um, and I, you know, part of me wishes things would have played out a little bit differently, but this is my path. And so some of these things had to happen in order for me to be where I am today. Mm-hmm. And so one of those things is I'm coming out with, I plan on coming out with a book that's going to discuss, you know, my five trips to Baker, Baker at land. Oh, D. Mm-hmm. When I, as soon as that book is out, you have to, I want to have you back on. I please, because that is so important. Like so many people need to hear these stories, need to hear about what happens, right? Because it's so easy to just flippantly say, oh, just do this. And oh, oh, I'm so glad you're writing that. Yes, I am too. I'm working with a, uh, an author who is coaching me. And so it's going to be 10 chapters Mm -hmm. and I'm working on doing one chapter per month. Because I have to make sure that I take care of me and, mm-hmm. and, and my energy. And one way is learning how to say no a little bit more or not mm-hmm. no, but just n- not now or scheduling people in. Before, you know, I was like Jeannie from, from Aladdin. Poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? You know? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, well, I can get you in for next week's schedule that gives me time to compartmentalize how I'm working with people and how I can help others. Now, are you, you putting in time for yourself in there too? Cause you need, you need a poof for yourself. Yes. I'm putting in time for myself. I ended up getting me a, a nice swinging hammock chair that I'd like to sit down in. Oh. And um, so, yes, I'm taking out time for myself Good. and you know, I make sure that when I, when I need rest, I, you know, go somewhere and, and, and lay down and rest. And mm-hmm. those aren't things that you're able to do in corporate America. Nope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm blessed and grateful that I'm an entrepreneur, that I'm my own boss and being your own boss doesn't mean you just chill and you don't do anything all day. Mm-hmm. However, I do have the right to say when I need to go lay down when I need to get a bite to eat, when I need mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom without somebody questioning my motives and looking at me sideways, like, where are you now? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. and I think also in corporate world, there's kind of like this, the glorification of busyness and the hustle. And oh, yeah. all that's fine, well, and good until you, you your body hit, out. hits the wall. Yeah, until you burn out. And then who you're not good to them, nor nor are you good to yourself or your family. So it's like, 
this, when are we going to learn? And I, I got to a point, my body started when, um, not the job I have now, but I was with the company for 12 years and we were on the road a lot. And it's not even like it was so taxing, but it would get to the point where if I wasn't sleeping enough at night, Mm-hmm. I could be in the, I could fall asleep in the middle of the day driving. Like my body would just shut down. People would always think, oh my God, you're exaggerating. I'm like, no, it's just my body's going to shut down when it's ready. And there was one yep. time I was trying, like it'd been a really long week. I had a weekend meeting. I was trying to get the rental car back and I fell asleep at the will. And I, I was, because I was just so worried. I got to get the rental car back. I don't want the company to get charged. And thank God I had an amazing boss. I, I ended up call or I think a texter and I was like, Hey, I'm really sorry. The rental car is going to be late. I fell asleep while driving. I know it's the middle of the day, but I just, I really need to pull over and take a nap. And she was like, I don't know why you're telling me this. Like, please take care of yourself. But it was, it came from this like, go, go, go mentality. You know, you're, you're going to rest when you get to a certain point or when you achieve a certain goal. And it's like, well, you might never get to that goal because Mm -hmm. your body's going to crash. Correct. Correct. And, and, a lot of corporate America is based on on go 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 because what what is business except the word busyness? Amen. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Are you done with your bathroom break yet? Okay. You smoke? <laughs> okay. Well, you got a smoke break. You got fifteen minutes. All right. All right. We need this. We need that. We need this. We need that. We need this. You good? You good? If they ask you if you're good. Right. I'm glad you had a compassionate boss who told you to take care of yourself because not everybody is so lucky. No, so true. Not everybody is so lucky. I mean, there, there are different firms out there who have high suicidal rates because of the pressure of being on point and being on go, 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 go. There was even a couple of people, especially this this last time that I was Baker acted back in March, there were some people in there who had jobs. And I remember this one young lady telling her grandmother, you know, don't tell anybody where I am. You know, you don't have to say anything to my job. Like, you know, I'm just taking this time. And I just my heart went out to her. She was in and out in three days. And, you know, I was also scratching my head, like, how come you get out in three days? But I'm sitting in here for seven. Like, I I, I fell into the comparison trap. I won't lie to you. Well, um, imagine it'd be hard not to in that situation. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else. (laughs) I don't know what else to say about that. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. I think, and I know that going into this, it was just going to be about the businesses, but I honestly think that your mental health is as much a part of your life and your business as anything else, whether it's oh, yeah. strategy or anything else, you can't build hard and heat press and these sweet teas if you are not taking care of yourself and if you aren't getting the help that you need and, and not- Correct the help that the insurance company thinks you need for seven days, but help that's actually going to be good for you and your body. That is correct. So let's go back to, you're working at the construction company. Um, Mm -hmm. When did you decide, okay, I I want to get the machinery to actually do the printing myself? It was this one day, it's like I had an aha moment and I was like, okay, okay. Let me let me open my drafts folder because I, I love drafting things and having them in my Google drafts folder. So I said, let me draft up a list 
of all the things that I would need to get in order to do this the right way. Mm-hmm. And so I created this long list of things. I need a screen printing press. I need a flash dryer. I'm going to need these supplies. I'm going to need, you know, this thing, that thing. And I looked at it and I'm like, holy crap, that's a lot of stuff. How am I going to do it? You mm-hmm. know, was and it I overwhelming? Just, it was a little bit over overwhelming looking at it at first, but I just I just closed out the drafts folder and I just said, okay, I'm just going to keep going on with what I've been doing, which is serving others. Mm-hmm. And so as um, as God would have it, I went back in that drafts folder. I want to say like two years later, mm-hmm. and I had accumulated every single thing on that list. And I didn't do it all at one time. I actually told one of my students this yesterday. It can be overwhelming when you look at the entire list. But what you do is you get things little by little. You you flip and you flip and you flip. And then your next piece of equipment pays for the next piece of equipment, pays for the next piece of equipment. So when you A say lot- flip, do you mean like you, you, you're selling stuff in the meantime? Yeah, or- okay. you're hustling. Hustle, hustle. Like I, my first shed was in my parents' backyard. And so I would go work first thing in the morning before I went to my job. Mm -hmm. And then I would work when I got off work. And so what I would do is, okay, I would look at a piece of equipment. Okay, that's $1,800. All right, that might be too much for me right now. Let me just focus on delivering these services to the people with what I got. Okay. And so- I kept doing that, kept doing that, kept doing that. Next thing I know, oh, I made 2000 bucks. All right, now it's time to get that sawgrass 800. So you, when you were flipping, like you, when you're making this money, it's not like you're using that, you're necessarily using that money for spending money. Like this is, you are making what you need to get to the next point or to buy yeah, the making, next. Yes, making what I need and putting it back into the business. And I also say I never knock a job because your job can definitely be a springboard into your entrepreneurship at some point in time. You just have to know how to use it. And I'm all about burning ships, not burning your bridges. So that's good. That's yeah. So now did you you're at the construction company at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Now, how did you burn the ship, but not the bridge with them? The way I burned the ship was I ended up leaving to become a volunteer in service to America. So I was with AmeriCorps Vista. So I actually took a pay cut. I took a pay cut and I told the way I worded it with them was I was going to be a volunteer in service to America. And AmeriCorps is the sister of Peace Corps. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to go serve. And I did go and serve. And then when I got through serving and doing my one year, I ended up getting offered a salaried position with the organization that I had volunteered for the year previously. And that's where I was until I turned in my resignation letter after just having my baby girl and stepping out on faith and doing these sweet teas full time. Now that's a big leap. Like you just had a baby and you're putting in your resignation. What, what was the impetus for that? Was that scary or were you just like, nope, got to do it? it? It was both. It was the acronym of fear is false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. And so I was all up in my head about how bad it could go. You know, I think a lot of times, especially as women, 
we get up in our heads and say, well, what if it doesn't work? We allow those closest to us to get up in our heads and say, you know, this isn't the right time. I remember my husband saying, until you make twice as much printing shirts, then that's when you should leave. But my mindset was, I can't make twice as much printing shirts until I leave, Mm. you know? And so I toiled back and forth long enough with everybody else's idea of what I should be doing. And I was just like, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. Mm. I'm going to trust you because I've been listening to everybody else. But what are you saying? And he said, it's time to go. Now, Mm -hmm. did you hear this in like a morning prayer or was this like, what is your process when you want to get, because that's something I struggle with. This is why I'm asking is because like I might ask for guidance, but then I'm so thinking about all of the options that I struggle sometimes to just sit in quiet and listen. Mm. Well, you know what it was? It was, it was an internal thing. So there wasn't this big audible voice booming out of the sky, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't come to me. It came to me in, in a couple of different ways. I had a, a few dreams about it, but most important, it was my energy. It was my energy when I would step across the threshold at that job at the time. It's like my whole mood would change when I stepped across that threshold. I could be just as bubbly, happy, and excited. And then I walk through those doors and it's just like, uh, and, and I was doing everything to stay in the right mental space, listening to Les Brown, mm-hmm. reading the secret again, just listening to millionaire mindset tapes and things like that, and trying to tune out the negativity that was around me. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, you know, it's time to go now. Mm-hmm. It was just like this internal thing where it was just like, okay, I know it's time to go. And so I was on maternity leave and I was to to return on October the 1st and my biggest. Hmm? What year is this? October the 1st, 2016. Okay. Right. And so I had actually went to the ISS conference, which is a big conference for t-shirt printers. I went to that conference and I just knew I was just like, you know what? it's time for me to make my mark. It's time for me to step out on faith and do this full time. And so I went ahead and wrote my resignation letter Mm -hmm. and I told my husband that I resigned before I actually went and resigned. So I figured I'd just get that out the way before I had to go to my direct supervisor. And both, both situations were scary for me. With telling but your husband what, and telling the supervisor? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's that false evidence appearing real. Oh. Because the way my mind works, you know, I can go through 100 scenarios on how I think it's going to turn out. <laughs> and so when I told my husband, it actually wasn't as bad as I thought. He was just like, oh, okay, well, what's the plan? You know, and I just knew from the previous conversation that we had had about it, it was going to be a problem but he was more understanding than I realized. And then I was trembling when I went to go tell my ex-boss that I was quitting, but he was just like, okay, well, what's next? And I told him I'm going to do D sweet teas full time and be a stay at home mom. And I haven't looked back since. 
I love that. But I, I will say, I love your point of you had a hundred scenarios because I have had entire conversations and arguments in my head with people about mm-hmm. what they're going to say and what I'm going to say back and how this is going to be. And then it happens. And I'm like, well, that wasn't like I thought it was going to be at all. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's just, we can get our, we can work ourselves into such a tizzy and in so much stress. Mm-hmm. For no, for no apparent reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> Which thank goodness there's, you know, I'm, I'm big on like manifesting and speaking things into be. And it's like one of those things where I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't speak it into right. the conversation. I thought it was going to be, I'm glad that it, it didn't go that way. Cause it would have been awful, but what, what was the biggest thing for your husband? Do you think as far as like, what made him not okay with it? Because like y'all are a partnership. It's not for him to be okay or not, but as a partnership, what do you think made him believe like, okay, if this is what she's going to do, then it is what it is. When he, when he saw me putting in work mm-hmm. and hustling my butt off mm-hmm. to make this thing happen. And my husband is very practical, you know, that's why that's why our partnership works so well is because we're total opposites. Um, I'm more of a dreamer, but I'm also a go getter. Mm-hmm. For him, it has to make sense on paper. If it doesn't make if it doesn't make sense, then it's not going to make dollars mm-hmm. as far as he's concerned. And so I'm from the show me state, even though I'm really not from Missouri. I'm from the show me state. Like I can show you better than I can tell you. And so. You know, to me, I'm like, okay, game on then. You don't think I can do it? Let me prove you wrong. And that's not always the best mindset to come from. Mm-hmm. But I, I won't lie and say that it hasn't been a driving factor in some of my movements. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he meant well. Yes. He meant well. And that was some of his own fear. Mm-hmm. You know, when you come from a place of, okay, it's okay to do a side hustle, but we have to have a check. Mm-hmm. You know, we're about to add our second child to the family. So now isn't the time for you to go be chasing your dreams right now. Right mm-hmm. now is the time to be buckling down and not chasing your dreams. <laughs> but he meant well and it all it all worked out. It does. But I think that it worked out because you believed in yourself. I mean, oh, yes. If you didn't, it would not have, right? Like you would have said, you're right, I can't. I'm going to have to delay my dreams. And I feel like that's something that a lot of women deal with where it's like there's 101 reasons. And instead of their children being a reason to pursue their dreams, they sometimes use it as the opposite. And I'm not criticizing because I'm not a mom, but it's, it's hard to hear somebody that you can believe so much and say, well, I can't do it because I'm a mom. And it's like, yeah, but don't you want your kids to see what it could look like to pursue your dreams? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I try to, I try to teach my kids the same thing. Don't allow naysayers to stop you from doing what it is that you want to do. As long as you're not harming yourself or anybody else, then what's, what's the harm in trying? Mm -hmm. I I do not like to hear my my kids use the word can't mm. whenever they use that that's the to me can't is the most debilitating word in the english dictionary mm-hmm. i can't do that i'm like excuse me you what mm-hmm. use it, i i won't or i don't want to but not i can't or just say i'm i'm not aware of how to do that yet Ooh, I like that. and find a way to do it 
Now, how do you balance this? Okay, so you have D sweet teas. Now you have mm-hmm. two children, one of which is a baby. How oh, she's you- no, she, she's gonna be five this August. Well, so but but at the time when you left work, when you left the other your your employer, you did have mm-hmm. a young one. So how was that building, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, because you had the business, but you were growing it while having two young children. I mean, how did you how did you balance that? Oh, they they came out in the shed with mommy. And <laughs> they so were a part of the I, work process. Oh yeah, I had my I had my baby. Oh, her name is Cookie. I had my baby. I remember her having that little walker thing, her walker Mm -hmm. out there with me. And, you know, she was able to play and I was able to look at her and get my work done at the same time. Same thing with my son. And so I don't know if they'll ever print T-shirts per se, but if they have the entrepreneurial gene like their mama, they probably do. Yeah, they probably have the key to already knowing how to follow your dreams. I think that's amazing because you just never even know what's going to come from that or what direction that will take their lives. Right. So now when did you start heat and, excuse me, heart and a heat press? I started heart and a heat press back in 2018. I started coming up with the curriculum for it. And in 2019, I started building the the infrastructure for it and then I went live with it in 2020 in March of 2020 right when coronavirus hit like I went live with it like a week before coronavirus hit wow okay so do you mind explaining exactly what heart and a heat press is heart and a heat press is a training platform an educational platform to teach other moms that's my target market is moms like myself to teach them how to start their own profitable t-shirt printing businesses from the comfort of their home. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times when you're getting started in any industry, it can be overwhelming when you see somebody with a big factory and, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, or, you know, oh, well, you know, if you have a dream and you're like, oh, well, I want to be as big as Walmart one day. Okay. That's possible, but mm-hmm. you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I communicate and I gravitate towards people to get, you got to start somewhere. So with the t-shirt printing industry, I like to get people started. Like you can get started right where you are. You can get started right in your home. You have a spare room, you can do it in there. You have a bathroom, you can do it in there. You can do it in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. And then as you grow, then you can get a, get a shed. I mean, if, if, if you have the backyard to get a shed, not everybody has the backyard to get a shed, mm-hmm. but you can take an extra spare room or you can set it, you can set it up in the living room. I've had my heat press set up in so many different places. My sister's house, my parents' house, my house. I mean, this is prior to getting a shed. So don't be so hard on yourself. Don't think that because all of these gurus are out here showing you factories and all this other stuff you can do it too right where you are what has been in in the um well actually two questions so first question is how was that starting this thing that you've per- you've worked so much this curriculum that you've built right before covid like did that slam you as far as you know 
what your expectations were for it? Or was it kind of actually perfectly timed because now people are home more than ever and they could start a side hustle? Well, it was a little bit of both. Like I wasn't expecting COVID to happen. Nobody was. No. And so I had this grand plan of, you know, teaching a hundred people last year how to do this from home. And Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> uh, a lot of people got caught up in their minds and were being laid off from their jobs and all of this. And so it didn't go as I planned for it to go. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm grateful for how things played out. I got a chance to talk to dozens of women to hear their pain points, to hear where they were. And a lot of them have a lot of fears Mm. and that, that mindset shift from a mindset of scarcity to the mindset of abundance is very important before you start any venture. Can you talk about that? Because that is something that I've had to become more and more aware of myself over the years where I was like, oh, oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to progress at all if I get out of if I don't get out of this thought process of of mm-hmm. there's not enough I there's barely a light at the end of the tunnel maybe like what what are some of the common scarcity mindset thoughts that you hear from from your students or from women yeah I I, I, I don't have enough I don't have the space that you have I don't have the connections that you have mm-hmm. um I don't have the money Mm -hmm. And we have to get beyond that scarcity mindset, because if you just take a little minute and you sit there and you look at all of this abundance around us, one of the things that I ask my students to do in the very first module is assess your guts, assess everything that you've encountered from the time you were born until now, every connection, every geographical location, Everything that you've seen, heard, smelt, tasted, take it in and do a brain dump and write it down because you have everything you need already. You just have to be able to trust yourself, have faith in yourself and connect those dots. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite before and after story of your students or could be your own? What, What is your favorite like this is what this is for? Hmm. Let me see. I have a student where he was really in the scarcity mindset in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And now he has his own shed. And now he's really stepping out on faith and seeing that he should have been done this. A lot of times Mm -hmm. when you step out on faith and you see that you have everything that you need, you you come back and you're like, why didn't I I do that years ago? Mm Mm-hmm. And so my biggest success stories are when the people come back and say, you know what? I didn't even know it was going to be that easy. Mm -hmm. I had a student yesterday that I spoke with and we were doing a one-on-one coaching session and I helped her to print her first jersey. And so she did it. And then she was like, oh my God, I didn't know it was going to be that simple. I had another student that I worked with a few weeks ago and we sublimated her first journal. And she was like, it can't be, it can't be this easy. 
And I was like, yeah, but a lot of times when you're first getting started with something, there is fear and there's nervousness attached to it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But helping people move out of their comfort zone is one of the biggest things that puts a smile on my face because the comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever really grows there. Nope. Nope. And you know, I mean, the more that they go out of the comfort zone, it's not necessarily that it'll ever be that it's never, you're never going to be comfortable outside of your comfort zone. Right. Which sounds redundant, Mm -hmm. but you're going to have enough proof to yourself that good things can happen when you step out. So even though it's scary, it does not have to be the end all be all. Correct. That is correct. Now I'm curious, what have been some of the labels that whether it's scarcity mindset or, or um, identities that you've had to sort of push past, whether it's, you know, to get out of the comfort zone and thought, now I'm not going to let myself feel less than or, or, defined by this label (laughs) one of them would be mom and pop shop I mean I I remember calling one of the vinyl suppliers and trying to become a reseller Mm -hmm. and she automatically assumed just from our conversation that I was a mom and pop shop and that I was too small to be taken seriously as a reseller in the program you know, you have to have so many square feet of shop space. And it sounds like you're you're a small mom and pop shop. So um, I think this program would be better for you. And when I hung up, the, I, I said, OK, when I hung up the phone, I said, game on, sister. Game on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone back to them as of yet, because one of my top dreams is to be a supplier of blanks at some point in time. And so. I just like, okay, well, I probably won't be doing business with you. I'll likely be one of your top competitors. So I had something similar relatively early on with the podcast where I, I, there was like a referral link or whatever for this, this company that does like creates the, the social media posts, they'll edit it for you, all this stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll at least see what they have to say. And this is now keep in mind, I was, I worked in outside sales for 12 years. So I have my little pet peeves about what people will do or not do or say in a sales situation. And he asked me a couple questions. Um, and I mean, just some of it was just low energy. It just seemed like he was bored anyway, like from the get go. But then he was asking, you know what I did? And and he was like, oh, so you podcast, are you a coach? I'm like, no, no, not really. I, the, the podcast is my path. Like I, that is my, my, my baby. I it wasn't, I didn't start the podcast to get leads for a business. I did it because I love telling people stories. And he was like, oh, okay. And he was like, well, I don't really know if this is going to be for you. Like, it doesn't really make sense because basically like, you're not going to have the money for this. And I was like, I had to ask him, I'm like, well, can you at least show me what your options are? Like, what do you do for podcasts? Cause you came recommended. And he was like, I just don't know if finally, after I asked twice, he shows me. And in my head, I'm like, I could afford this. I'm not getting it now because you decided I wasn't a qualified person just on the fact that I don't know because I wasn't a coach because I don't have this huge business yet. And I'm like, well, okay, you don't see where I'm going, but I know myself and I know what I'm capable of. So thank you. Oh yes. That happens. That happens all the time. There was this one business coach that was doing free consultations and I asked her um, about information for what I was doing with heart and heat press. And she, first of all, she said, 
you know, it wasn't going to be right for me because I was product based. And I'm like, I'm not talking about selling t-shirts. I'm talking about selling my coaching course and teaching others. So I'm doing everything that everybody else is doing. And then when we got on the call, she basically told me that I wouldn't be a good fit for her program because what did she say? I wouldn't be a good fit for her program because I already knew everything. And so it wouldn't work. So she gave me some recommendations on what I should do and then just kept it moving. So I was just like, okay, I could have afforded your program, but you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and they are right. You're, you're right. I'm not a good fit for your program because you wouldn't be giving me the level of service that I would want anyway. So she did you a favor and so did he for me, but it was like, mm-hmm. I, so, okay. I know that you have your call at 1130, so I don't want to keep you, but okay. What would be the best way for listeners to get get in contact with you, to learn all about you, to see D Sweet Teas, Heart in the Heat Press, like all the ways they can get a hold of D'Angela? So I'm on Facebook as D'Angela Williams Adams. I'm on Instagram at Heart in the Heat Press. And D Sweet Teas is also on Instagram at D Sweet Teas. I have not been actively posting to my Instagram at D Sweet Teas. I do a majority of my posting on Facebook and the Heart in the Heat Press Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then I also have my website, which is heartintheheatpress.com. Mm-hmm. And there's also D Sweet Teas.com. Mm-hmm. And my business phone number is 561 247. 3173 if you want to place an order for t-shirts awesome awesome thank you so much yeah birthday of greatness I hope you enjoy that conversation with Dee as much as I enjoyed having it just as a reminder Make sure to go to her website, D's Sweet Teas. I have a link in the show notes so you can check out her t-shirts and all the different products that she makes available and order these shirts for your next girl's trip, your next family get together once COVID is done, or hey, you can still have shirts for a virtual get together on Zoom. Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's actually a really cute idea. I love that idea. Good one. Good on me. Um, I'm thinking of gymnastics because my roommate's daughter was just just had her gymnastics competition. So wouldn't it be cute if like her class all had the same shirt? So again, whole bunch of different ideas that you can use. Go check out our website. Make sure if you're putting in an order or you're emailing back and forth that you make sure to mention breaking labels. So, so cool. So appreciative to people like Dee who have the courage and the strength to talk about things that I know are so hard. Come back this month for more discussions or more conversations about mental health, mental illness, and just how to persist. And I hope you're inspired by these conversations. And with that, see you next week.